In this episode, I sit down with Nicole Moore to talk about why love is always the answer. Get ready, because you are now listening to Tiny Leaps. Big changes. Another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and uh, something that if you are a longtime listener, you should know is that I try to take personal development and break it down into what I call the six pillars of life. So in those pillars, you have your fitness, your nutrition, your finances, your relationships, your emotional health, and your career. And uh, it's something that I've noticed over the last two years is that I've hit every single one of those, except relationships, I don't have as much expert advice for you in that space as I'd like. And and a lot of it, quite honestly, is just because I don't have the experience, which is why I have today's guest on the show. Nicole is an absolute just firework of experience when it comes to building relationships that work, finding love and, and uh, becoming a better version of yourself in order to attract the person that you're looking for. And and so I wanted to bring her on the show to discuss all of this and just share her wisdom with us because I know it's something I can benefit from. And more importantly, I know it's something you can benefit from. So without further ado, Nicole, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing and I'm super excited to be here. Super excited to have you. So let's start with uh, what I find to be the most interesting question. Um, you say that, that you believe that love is always the answer. Could you add a little bit of context to that for us? Why is that your belief? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a big fan of something called A Course in Miracles. It's a spiritual text, but it applies to everything. And what it says is in every moment, there's two choices, love or fear. And I really believe that. And the way I see life, Greg, is that when you choose anything, I'm going to choose to stay in a job that I hate or not, or I'm going to choose to enter into a relationship or not. There's always this moment of, am I going to go with my fear? which represents my old programming, my old limiting beliefs, my comfort zone, or am I going to say yes? Am I going to say yes to the life that's meant for me, the love that's meant for me, to my desires or not? And so in every situation, if you just apply love, which means really attention, care, devotion, and really following the truth of your heart, I believe that leads you to where you actually are supposed to be. So the way I see life is kind of two roads. If you choose based on fear, it always leads you to where you don't want to go. If you choose based on love, to me, that's your truth. And when you follow your truth, although sometimes it's scary, right? You end up living a life that is truly what you desire. So that's what it means to me. Always choosing the yes of love rather than holding back out of fear. I love that. Could you um, just to add some, I guess, go a little bit deeper around who you are and, and how you got to this place. Um, 
has this been something you've always believed in? Like, did you come from, from a family that had these core beliefs or was this something that you developed over time? Mm, well, I think I was born to be a love coach, but not because I existed in a field of love <laughs> as a child. So, um, I will show, briefly, what I will say is I was born into basically what I would describe as the experience of not having access to love because of fear. So, um, you know, I'm a twin and I was born three months premature. Um, this was in 1984 and the doctor told my mom, do not get attached to these babies because they're going to die. Now, I did not die, obviously, but in that moment, my mom had, I call it a love crack, when you should be in a state of love, but something shocking or something deeply emotional happens, and it's like fear comes in. And so my mom, as she tells it, took that very seriously. And, you know, you can, you can, you can really have love in your heart, but you can be afraid to love. And so my parents never said, I love you. My mom, when I first got the courage to tell her, I love you when I was 25 years old, all she could say back is me too. But my mom is very loving, but there was all this fear in the way. And so as a child, I really thought to myself, I must be unlovable because at the time I thought my parents didn't love me. And so I grew up with this void of love. And so I kind of had an education in what lack of love looks like. And then obviously that made me suffer a lot in my romantic relationships because I was seeking them from this place of I am incomplete and I need someone to validate me. And that all culminated in me having a, a relationship with an emotionally abusive narcissist. And along the way, I just kept asking myself, how do I make love work? How do I make this work? Because to me, love was the most important thing, but it was also the biggest area of struggle. So the way I learned about love was through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and then a lot of seeking of how do I make the worst area of my life become the best area of my life? Got it. That So why, if, if we could dive back just a tiny bit, and I'm sure this is something you've seen in uh, the, the people you've helped since, but what do you think causes that fear? Is it is it a fear of, of being attached to something because you're able to lose it? Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's at the heart of it for most people. A lot of my clients too, as well, because it, it, it hurts to be attached to something so deeply in a way. I have a 16 month old son now and he's my first baby and it's incredible the amount of love that I have for him. But at the same time, I also feel how precious he is and how anything could happen to him. And I think it's a risk to fully, fully, fully love and let your heart just love as much as it wants to love. And I think most people hold back out of fear of, Loss, exactly as you said. So I'm positive that um, a, a top three list isn't going to to quite cover uh, what we need to to learn in order to start bypassing that and, and allowing ourselves to love deeply and openly. But if you did have to put it into these are the top three things you should be thinking about, or this is how you should you should approach it. How can we as people who naturally have this fear naturally do not want to connect too deeply because it makes us vulnerable to be hurt? How can we start to overcome that? 
Mm-hmm. Well, number one is you actually have to get into the pain. And I, I'm a very positive person. I usually don't recommend people get in the pain, except in this situation. You have to think about what you're losing out on by not opening up to love. Because most people think if I open up, I'm going to lose something really amazing. And they're thinking about the future pain that they might experience and they're protecting themselves from it in the present moment, even though it's not happening. But really, truly, I believe loving is why we are here. And I think that when people actually love, they're at their highest. And so when you are not in a loving relationship, when you're not really giving the best of who you are to someone, you are missing out on who you really are. And so if you can think about what you're losing, that can get you out of your comfort zone. Because we stay in our comfort zone of I'm not having the love that I want because we think it's protecting us. But the second you actually get that your comfort zone is hurting you, you are motivated to move out of it. So that would be step one. And then step two is, you know, you really have to do the inner work to feel lovable and to love other people. And that, you know, that's a whole topic. We could probably have five podcasts on this, Greg, for sure. But I find that most people at the end of the day, if the most amazing love on the planet showed up at their door, they would feel unworthy of it most people. And so number two is once you decide I'm actually going to be a person who's willing to risk for love because I want the reward more than I want to prevent myself from future pain. Number two is I need to get myself to a place where I feel worthy of love, where I really feel like all the love that is meant for me, I could hold it. I could enjoy it. I could not push it away. And then after step two, it's then learning how to love other people and learning how to love other people to me means really learning how to let someone else be who they are without you needing to control them so you feel safe or okay and really being a person who can be a space for someone else where they feel more loved, seen, and appreciated than they ever have in their entire lives. And if you do that for someone else, they will give you the love that you want back. But we always think it's the other way, right? I have to control the other person to get the love that I want, but it's actually I have to love the other person deeply to get the love that I really want. I love that. I absolutely love that. So, so just to recap, the first is to, to step into that, that pain and, and recognize that you might be protecting yourself, quote unquote, for, for the future, but you're sacrificing something right now that, that is hurting you. Uh, second, as you mentioned, is, is to work on yourself and and do that inner work and get to the point where you can feel worthy of being loved. And and then third is to, to love someone and and love others openly. Um, What have you found in, in your work is stopping people from, from number two, from getting to that place of feeling like they can be loved. And, and I know we could actually probably do five or six podcasts on this, but, but if you had to, to highlight the number one thing that most people share. Yeah. So it, uh, and I'm sorry for all the parents out there. I'm a parent too, but it always goes back to the parents really, <laughs> truly. Um, <laughs> even, you know, it's weird, Greg, I'll have some, some clients that say, Oh my God, my parents were amazing and they treated me so well, but then I'm afraid I'm not going to have the kind of relationship that they had. <laughs> so most mm-hmm. people, I mean, the truth is most people were not loved how they actually fully needed to be loved by one or both of their parents. And so the thing is as a child, we only have one source of love, which is 
as our parents. They are it. And whatever we get from them is what we start to believe love is. And most people do not get fully accepting love, you know, because human beings have a hard time really, 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 truly loving someone else. And so, um, you know, I know for me, I felt criticized by my parents. And so I interpreted love must equal criticism. So if I'm in a relationship with someone who's criticizing me, I'm just going to stay. So it, it always goes back to your relationship with your parents. And what did you learn about love because of your relationship with your parents? And then the healing is in understanding that as a child, that was the truth. But as an adult, you get to decide what the truth of love is for you. You get to create what the truth of love is for you. But every single one of my clients that I've ever had, we always have to go in and heal their dynamic with their parents or else their love life doesn't really shift. That makes sense. So uh, on this show, we talk a lot about uh, sort of the the biases and, and routines that we, we've all sort of programmed ourselves to fall into. And, and I imagine that this is one of those things that's so deeply ingrained in us that we often probably take those actions and, and act in those ways without thinking about it, whether it's to criticize others or to accept being criticized or whatever it is. Have you found any uh, hacks or, or just d- tiny things we can do on a day-to-day basis that can help us identify those things and, and break the pattern? Yeah. So the hack that I always tell people is this, um, truth Truth feels good or neutral, right? Usually if you're thinking a thought that's true, that's aligned with love, that's of the highest, like I am worthy of love, that feels good. False beliefs feel bad or they make you feel contracted or anxious. So it's too much work, I think, to be analyzing your thoughts all day long. Is this a limiting belief? Is this not a limiting belief? Is this coming from my childhood? But if you just go with your feeling... If you are feeling bad, that's because you've been paying attention to thoughts in your mind that are not aligned with the truth. So if you think, okay, you know, I used to think my parents don't love me, so I must be unlovable. That thought made me feel so bad that I was like crying in the bathtub, right? So it's not true. And so when you understand that thoughts that are not true make you feel bad and thoughts that are good, uh, thoughts that are true make you feel good to neutral, when you feel negative, that's when you can put your hand over your heart. You can ask yourself, okay, what was I thinking in this moment that's having me feel this way? And you examine that thought and you let go of that thought and you choose the thought that makes you feel good, but you have to choose it over and over and over again until you actually start to believe that that's the truth. So the fastest way, the fastest hack I know is through this simple equation. Truth feels good. Untruth feels bad. Got it. So, so when you're pay attention to how you're feeling and if it's bad, Probably it's an untruth, and if it's good, it's a truth. Uh, let, let's zoom out here a little bit. Tell us a little bit about uh, your business and, and the work you've done with with people. Mm-hmm. So. My business is helping single women find the love of their lives. So I only work with women and believe me, that's enough. (laughs) So um, I've had clients who their boyfriend broke up with them and then they start working with me and we've gotten the boyfriend to come back, propose, treat her amazing, all of that without even changing the guy. So (laughs) we can do a lot just with, with helping a woman because I believe that women really are the leaders in relationship in a way. Men, they, they do the planning and all of that, but women lead emotionally. And so what I tell women is men are mirroring you in a relationship and they really do this. And I mean, you could tell me, Greg, if you do this with women, but, um, 
men are mirroring us. So whatever we're feeling and thinking, they're basically just responding to us and then doing their best to try and please us and then feeling really bad when they can sense that they don't. So I oh, just man, have- This is literally my relationship. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I just help the woman get to a place. I help her work on her uh, mindset, her heart and her energy. So what that means is I help her um, look at how she's thinking about love and really get rid of the fear in her mindset and align that with, with a love. And then I help her work on her heart. So clearing what's in the way of her fully loving, you know, usually it's past pain and lack of trust and all of that. And so I help people as much as possible get to the state where their heart was at before the first time they fell in love. You know, when you were open to possibilities and you did didn't know you could get hurt and you were just open. And then we work on a woman's energy. So that's what she's projecting to man. That is, is she open or closed? Is she, you know, beautiful, sexy, feminine, powerful, confident, or is she insecure? So I take a holistic approach in helping a woman really kind of align herself to where she needs to be to actually have a great relationship with a man because he's just going to respond to her anyway. So she has a lot of power if she works on her. And so I help women do that. And then I help them learn how to, from that space, attract in a partner that really is a good match for her. Got it. And, um, so as you've worked with, with clients over, well, how long have you been doing this? About six years. Okay. So over the last six years, as you've worked with people and, and, uh, it sounds like really helped to create significant change in, in the quality of their lives and in their relationships. Um, have you found that improvement in this one area spills over into the rest of their lives? Is that something that you you pay much attention to after they've uh, finished working with you? Yes, absolutely. So I believe that everyone should work on their love life first because it improves everything else. But people seem to do the opposite, right? <laughs> because <laughs> we're, at the end of the day, we're afraid to face what's in our heart, right? So love is love is like the, the, the deepest dive ever, in my opinion, in terms of personal development. But uh, I, when you're in a state of love, and this is by, there's a researcher named Dr. Bruce Lipton. He wrote a book, he wrote many books, but he talks about the biology of belief. And he studied people in love in a book called the honeymoon effect. And what he says is when you're actually really in a state of love, your brain is firing in a different way. It's open to possibilities. Your vision is open. Like you literally can attract and manifest different things and different opportunities because of what the state of love does to you. So I have had clients, the amount of money manifested by my clients after they find love is ridiculous. Now, the amount of people who have lost weight, a lot of my clients, they decide they want to shift their career. They want to do something more that they, that they love more. Their family relationships get better. Everything gets better when they do this work because of what I shared at the beginning, their being is vibrating at love. It's not, their actions are not coming from a fearful place. They're really landed in their truth. They're really loving other people. They're really loving themselves. So everything shifts when you, when you find love. And I know it to be true in my own life. I mean, I, my, in my business, I tripled my business the year I met my husband, Mike. So love does actually really work for everything. So then I, I've got to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Um, only because like, of, of course, when you, when you are in love, like you you still have fights and, and that sort of thing. Um, but how do you 
uh, whether in your your own relationship or with your clients, uh, navigate being in a not so great mood, like stressed out over other things, worrying about X, Y, Z, and all of that bleeding back into the relationship and creating sort of a, a toxic environment that maybe puts one of you back into that that fear state that causes the fights and causes the the arguments and that sort of thing. Like before that happens, how do you uh, navigate that and, and, and try to avoid bringing that into the relationship? Well, I think that my theory on relationships is that one person always has to be the one that's standing up and saying, I'm not going to dive into this ego stuff. I'm not going to dive into the fight. Like one person can be down. One person can be feeling bad. It's really just a problem when two of you jump into the ring together. So what I always say is the person who has the highest consciousness in that particular moment has the responsibility to be the one who says, no, I'm going to actually choose to be loving here and not engage. And it switches back and forth. But honestly, for the most part, ladies, again, this is, in my opinion, on you, (laughs) because um, women just seem to be a little bit more advanced in this department, in my opinion. But um, if you have a really great relationship, Greg, you should be able to communicate what's going on in the other areas of your life with your partner and have them hold a space of understanding and witnessing. The relationship should be the place that's a sanctuary for all the things that are going on. So if you really stress at work, for example, that's not a problem if you communicate that. It's only a problem when you don't have self-awareness. And so you just take out your emotions on the other person. So if you have a really bad day at work and you can have the awareness of, okay, who do I want to be in my relationship? Even in the face of this, you can remind yourself, my job here isn't to take my emotions out on my partner. It's just to be vulnerable and share where I'm really at with my partner. And that can create this moment of deep connection with your partner. And you will actually feel regenerated by your exchange with your partner. So it's only a problem when you let the stress kick you out of conscious awareness and you're back in your old patterns, which I know happens a lot for most people in relationships. Got it. And and then I guess when it does happen, as you said before, it's up to that person who has the the higher level of consciousness in that moment to choose to, to walk the high ground. Um, I can't help but think that there needs to be another you that serves guys. Um, so t- tell us more about the the program. I, I think you mentioned before we, we started that uh, you're either launching or have launched a, a new program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we launched it last year. It's called Man Attraction Bootcamp. And it's really, it's an eight week program. It's for women who want to meet more of the right kind of men. So they're either in a man desert, as I call it, like there's no man, I'm not dating anyone, you know, um, or I'm just dating the wrong man. I keep meeting the wrong man. I'm not going on dates with guys that I really like. And so really before women do this program, they're kind of disempowered in their love life. And they think this is just the way it is. So I have this big desire for love, but I can't see how to get there because all I keep seeing is it sucks over and over and over again. And in the program, I show you that you actually have control 
over the kind of men that you attract. And so I show you how to shift your mindset, shift your energy, really become really confident and attractive. No matter what you look like, it's not just about looks, where you start actually attracting in more and better men. We have had women, by the way, get engaged to people they met during the eight-week program, but it's about having women land in their power that they are in control over what they attract in their love life. It's not random. It's not, this is the way it is. They're creating it. And so um, they experience a big shift within the eight weeks. They start having men, you know, running up to them and asking them out and sending them flowers and doing things that they never had men do. And they start to feel really good about themselves. And that translates into a belief that the kind of love that they want is possible and that they can actually get it. Got it. And where can, and, and just to clarify, uh, you said that this is for women only, right? Yes, it is for women only. I do have some men that follow me, but <laughs> none of my programs <laughs> are for men at the moment. That, that, that's cool. Uh, how can we uh, learn more if, if somebody's listening to this and wants to jump in? Where can they go? Yeah, so they can go to manattractionbootcamp.com if they want to go straight to the program or if they just want, you know, love resources, videos, tips, they can go to my website, which is loveworksmethod.com. So manattractionbootcamp.com and loves loveworksmethod.com. Dot com. Nicole, thank you so much for, for everything that you've shared here. The, the amount of value you've dropped is mind-blowing. Uh, I do want to ask, is there anything as we sign off here that you feel like you need to leave us with? Is there anything that we should be walking away with? Yeah, I just, um, I know people struggle so much in their love lives because of that thought. Like, this is the way it is. Like, even I heard you, Greg, say, this is how my relationship is, right? <laughs> and, um, and we think we can't change it. And we absolutely can. And if we are just willing to look within and find what's blocking us from experiencing love, so often the other person that you're in relationship with will actually shift. So I just want people to know that, uh, having a bad relationship like so many people have or not finding what you want in love, it's not just the way it is. And as a society, as, as people who care about love, we can really make a difference. We can really shift it. And I believe that that's where we're moving to really happy romantic relationships, because if you can't have happiness with the person who's closest to you, at the end of the day, that is impacting all the other relationships in your life. So start there and you'll see a big impact everywhere else. I love it. Nicole, again, thank you so much for sharing your time and wisdom with us. Uh, the website for those of you listening who are interested, you want to learn a bit more, manattractionbootcamp.com. Or if you just want to read her articles, get some resources, loveworksmethod.com. Nicole, thank you. And thank you to the listener for sharing your time with us. I super appreciate it. I know Nicole appreciates it. And I hope that you walk away with some amazing value to incorporate into your tiny leaps. If you haven't already, click the subscribe button. That is the best way to make sure new episodes are delivered directly to your favorite listening device. Uh, Definitely check out my YouTube. I'm starting to do the solo episodes, not the interviews, but the solo episodes in video format. So head over to youtube.com slash Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day.